Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. My name is James Rudd, I'm the Digital Media Editor at Heart. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Charlotte Warren-Gash from the Faculty of Epidemiology and Population Health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Charlotte is an epidemiologist and a public health doctor and she's very interested in the links between infection, particularly respiratory infection, and subsequent heart attack and stroke. And we have an in-depth conversation uh, about her recent work, which has been published in the European Respiratory Journal. If you like this podcast, and I hope you do, please feel free to subscribe in iTunes or your podcast catcher app of choice. And please leave us a recommendation, a review, a like, a share, etc., so that we can increase the audience of the podcast and uh, reach new listeners. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Charlotte, many thanks for joining us. And Charlotte, I recently came across one of your papers that I think is relevant to the uh, Heart podcast audience. Uh, It's a very interesting area of respiratory infection and how that might be linked to future heart attack and stroke. It was published in the European Respiratory Journal, and uh, I really wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about that a little bit more. Um, Perhaps we can start off by discussing how big a problem is this, Charlotte, respiratory infections and possible links to heart disease? Well, I think that, um, firstly, these conditions are all very common. So globally, low respiratory infections, ischemic heart disease and stroke are the three leading causes of death. Um, And we also know that cardiovascular complications are very frequently seen in people who are admitted to hospital with community-acquired pneumonia. So around 18% of those people will have a cardiovascular complication, and around 5% will have an acute coronary syndrome. And so that's that's already known about, is it, Charlotte? So 18% of people with a community-acquired pneumonia have a cardiovascular complication. I guess some of those will be things like atrial fibrillation, but the number you just said really jumped out to me, 5% of them will have an acute coronary syndrome following this infection. Absolutely. So this, this is a potentially big problem. And the other thing um, that has, that's already known is that even attending the GP with a flu-like illness is associated with a temporary increase in um, risk of MI or rather heart attacks over the following weeks. So it's not just those infections that cause people to go to hospital, but potentially less severe infections as well. So we thought if we could understand who's at risk of these cardiovascular complications after respiratory infections, we could potentially think where to intervene, for example, using vaccinations. Okay, and uh, how did you go about performing this research? We wanted to understand, we knew that there was a potential link, but we wanted to understand whether particular respiratory organisms, so particular viruses or bacteria, were associated with these cardiovascular complications So we use large linked um, electronic health record data sets from Scotland. So these were anonymous health records um, of people's hospital records, also linked to infection surveillance data from from national laboratories. Our study included around 2,000 people who were aged 40 or over when they had their first heart attack or stroke. Um, And we looked at an 11-year time period between 2004 and the end of 2014. So people in our study had to have had a first cardiovascular event, but they also had to have a record of a laboratory-confirmed respiratory infection. Um, And we looked at uh, one respiratory bacteria and six different respiratory viruses. 
So they had to have a record of this infection at any point during the 11-year time period. And we then used a method called self-controlled case series analysis to look at the relative incidence of heart attacks and strokes in the time periods just after respiratory infections co compared to baseline time periods. And can I just jump in there? So the baseline time period is some other time um, pre uh, before they had the respiratory infection. Is that right? So they're kind of acting as their own controls. That's right. So this method has got the major advantage that comparisons are made within person. So people act as their own controls during different time periods. Um, so the baseline time was either time before the respiratory infection or in the month after respiratory infection, we considered that the risk period. And then after that, um, we were back to baseline period again. So these comparisons were more valid as if they're done within persons because it helps to eliminate some of the potential confounding effects that you see when you compare between different groups of people. Okay, so just to summarise uh, for the audience, so we've got, I know Scotland has very good uh, electronic or healthcare record data. Uh, and as you say, every episode, uh, hospital admission, uh, GP attendance, but also I think really importantly, these patients had to have a laboratory documented respiratory infection uh, to get into your study. That's right, absolutely. And I think that's one of the novel aspects of this study because it's often quite tricky to study laboratory confirmed infections um, using routine health data. And often you're reliant on GP coded infections, which are based more on symptoms like cough and sore throat. So it's quite hard to find out which specific organism has caused the infection. But in our study, we were able to look at that. And you took a group of people all aged over 40 without any evidence of previous heart disease or heart attack or stroke. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, as you say, an 11 year period. And what were your primary findings, Charlotte? Well, our research showed that some particular respiratory infections were linked to heart attacks and strokes. So specifically, having a laboratory confirmed respiratory bacteria or virus made people around six times more likely to have a heart attack in the following three days. Um, I should say that the period of heightened risk was temporary, so it lasted around a week for heart attacks and around a month for strokes. And was that broadly consistent across all of the respiratory infections that you studied, that sort of uh, shorter risk period for heart attacks and slightly longer risk period for strokes? It was, um, but there were two bugs in particular that were linked to a, to a really marked increase in risk, and these were the strep pneumonia, which is one of the commonest causes of community-acquired pneumonia, um, and also the influenza virus. Um, and I'd just like at this point to put it, some of these figures in context. Um, so in Scotland, where our study was carried out, um, each week you'd expect around two heart attacks per 10,000 people who are aged 75 years and over. So in the week after an infection, this rose to approximately 10 heart attacks for every 10,000 people aged 75 years and over. Wow, so a big relative uh, increase in risk. Yes, that's right. But as I say, it was a temporary risk. Do we have any idea as to what might be causing this association? I guess we can't call it causative, but how this association might be explained? Well, there are several theories about mechanisms. The first is that some of the organisms we studied, such as influenza, can have direct effects on the heart muscle um, to cause inflammation. But I think in addition, any respiratory infections can potentially lead to inflammation, so systemic inflammatory responses. And they also have effects on blood clotting, so they can um, make your blood more likely to clot. Um, and 
those things together may exacerbate any underlying cardiovascular disease that people have. Okay, it's it's really fascinating, isn't it? You might think it, yeah, increased risk of of plaque rupture, as you say, hypercoagulability of the blood could all explain it. And it, just to just to reiterate it again, so six times increase in relative risk for MI, and uh, that was increased to around twelve times for stroke after some of these infections. That's right. Although I must say, the twelve times increase in risk was just in that first three day period. And then the risk started to taper off. But we did see for stroke, the risk persisted. An increased risk of around fourfold persisted for about a month okay. after respiratory bacteria or virus infection. And what does this mean for the future, Charlotte? Is there anything that we could do uh, when a patient has a respiratory infection to try to reduce the risk of a subsequent heart attack or stroke? Or should we be jumping in earlier and trying to prevent them getting respiratory infections in the first place? Well, I think there are several things. I mean, I suppose the first thing for patients and the public really is to remind people that most young, healthy people who have a who have um, an episode of flu or flu-like illness, for those people, the risk of heart attacks and strokes is low. Um, but this research is particularly relevant to older people, so people who are over sixty-five or people with pre-existing heart conditions. Um, and these groups are recommended to be vaccinated against influenza and strep pneumonia, which were the two bugs in our study linked to highest heart attack and stroke risk. But we also know that vaccine uptake isn't particularly high, especially in younger people with existing heart disease. So I think this is an added incentive um, to vaccinate these people. And in terms of future research, well, we already know that, for example, flu vaccine can reduce the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events by around 36% in people who do have existing heart disease. But there are ongoing trials about which formulations and which doses of flu vaccine um, are, are best to actually protect these groups from heart attacks and strokes. It's fascinating. I wasn't, I have to say, aware of that uh, dramatic reduction. So 36% reduction in the chance of a heart attack in patients with established heart disease by having a flu vaccination. That's right. Yes, so that was from a meta-analysis that was published um, by a Canadian group a few years ago. Um, it was a meta-analysis of several small RCTs, but it did show this marked effect. So there's been really interesting to talk, Charlotte, and a fascinating uh, study and all made possible by the, the excellent healthcare records uh, up in Scotland. So perhaps just to summarise the, the take-home messages uh, for the audience from this work. So we, we found that confirmed respiratory infections are linked to this temporary increase in the risk of heart attacks and strokes. But I think it's important to stress, although the relative increase in risk was very large, it was temporary. And it's important to remember that for most people who have a respiratory infection, who especially people who are younger without pre-existing heart disease, their risk, their background risk of having a heart attack or stroke is very low. So even a, relative, a relatively large increase in risk is not going to probably tip them over into having a, a cardiovascular event. So this research is most relevant to those people at higher risk, so older people and those with existing heart disease who should have vaccines against flu um, and streptococcus pneumonia to, to prevent some cardiovascular complications as well as the respiratory infections themselves. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much indeed, Charlotte, for coming on the podcast and uh, giving us uh, the take on this paper. It's been really interesting to read and I'll put the link to the paper in the show notes. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.